You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I want to minister to you today on the topic of coming out of the trials that you're in stronger than the way you went into it. How many know that when we go through difficulties in our lives, sometimes we come out the other side damaged, wounded, and, and there's a lot of scars and it really cripples us from the things that God wants. But if you can go through a trial and come out the other side strong, then you'll be able to take on bigger assignments and bigger things that God has called you to in your life. Because always remember this, failure is not final when you're exercising your faith in Christ. It's only when we quit believing that our failure can be final. But if you decide, I'm just going to keep believing, I will believe. And I think what happens is sometimes we have this tendency to get identified with defeat even when we make our mistakes and then in those mistakes we live with that defeat. I want, let me give you an example of how mistakes won't stop you from your destiny. How many know apostle, the apostle Peter probably made the most mistakes out of all the apostles? He didn't deny the Lord three times. He always stuck his foot in his mouth. Remember, he was the one Jesus says, get behind me, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter made a lot of mess ups, but he repented and he became a very great man for God. In fact, he was called the apostle to the, the Jewish believers. In fact, Jesus said to him, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't say that to any of the other apostles. He said it to him specifically because he would have such a great leadership. He was the first one that preached the first sermon and saw the first fruit from the resurrection of Christ. He was definitely a very important, but he made loads of mistakes. And one of the mistakes that, that he made, if you remember the story when Jesus was walking on the water and was going past the boat and Jesus said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And he steps out of the water and starts walking towards Jesus. And we're all excited about that, but then we know he began to look at the storm and began to sink. Jesus grabbed him and said, why did you doubt? You have little faith. And we remember the doubt part, but remember he went back in the boat. So he was sinking in the water, and then he stepped out of that on top of the water and walked back to the boat and climbed up into the boat with Jesus. And the Bible says that the storm stopped, and within a moment they were on shore. Now, I don't know if you studied this out, but this was at the fourth watch this occurred, which means it was between 5 and 6 in the morning, right before the sun comes up. And I can't help but believe that they were in the storm. They were in the dark. He was standing in faith. He was walking on the water. But as soon as he stepped up in that boat, the sunshine began to come up and the storm stopped. Because Peter later said this in 2 Peter. He said that we have to heed the prophetic word that God has given us and he calls it until the day's dawn, which is a term for the first rays of the sun that comes up, until the morning star arises in your heart. Someone ought to say amen. Say it with me. Today is a new day. God has new blessings for me today. God has new break for, breakthroughs for me today. This is a new day. But you, you can't allow your mistakes 
to prevent you from getting where God wants you to go because God can bless you. He can take you over the top in spite of all the mistakes in your life. Are you ready today, church? Come on, give God praise. Now, I want you to notice up on the screen, our first text is in Genesis 49, 19. This is a prophecy that was given one of the, the seventh son of Jacob. It's a prophetic word, but it's not just for him. It's for you as well. Listen when it says, Gad, a troop shall uh, tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. Say it with me. I will triumph at last. Can you give me a little bit of more bass on that? On my voice, please. A little bit more bass. Now, I want you to notice the word troop. What that means is invaders or robbers. Powerful. But it says that they will come against you, but you will, how do I say it? You will overcome at last. God wanted me to tell you today that you're going to overcome and last. You may have some problems right now. You may be going through this and be going through that in your life, but you're going to overcome at last. You're going to be okay at last. You're going to prevail at last. You're going to make, in spite of your mistakes, you're going to prevail at last. God told me to tell you this today, that even though you're going through it, you're going to come out on top of it. Come on, someone ought to praise him right now. Don't you understand how powerful that is? Now, one of the things that Satan will do is if he can't steal your goods, he will steal your joy. Because if he steals your joy, he steals your strength. And if he steals your strength, you get weak. And if you get weak, then he can steal your, go your, your, your goods. So many times when you're being blessed, there'll be criticism, there'll be jealousy, everybody will be finding fault in your life. And that's simply because Satan wants to steal your joy. You drive up to church in your new car, praise God, and somebody starts criticizing, oh, you could have spent it on missions. No, you wanted to spend it on a car. Give me a break. Amen. And that's typical of the devil because he wants to steal your joy. He wants you to feel weak. When, when God is blessing you. But if you can keep that strength up, if you can grab that strength and, and lay hold of it, you can go over the top, you can break through the, the problem, and whatever troops coming at you, you will win at last, and you will prevail. Come on, church. <laughs> prevail. There's a verse in the Bible that says this. It says that my people, Hosea 4, 6, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That verse, I've loved it over the years because when I first came to Jesus, I'd been raised traditionally in church, but I never really heard truth that set me free. And I remember looking at that verse and then learning these revelations in the Word. I'm going to give you something that has been an anchor in my life all these years. And that is this. When you look in the Bible, if it's faith, it'll produce victory. If it's not faith, it'll produce defeat. You have to purposely decide that I am going to be a positive person. I'm going to give thanks in all things because I know I'm going to win. I'm going to give thanks in all things because I know that God is greater than my problem. And when you have that positive approach, you're going to be able to overcome and prevail in your life like you never did before. But it's something we struggle with because when we're going through something, sometimes we get defeated. Sometimes we feel like it's not going to work. 
God won't bless me because I've made too many mistakes, and we think it's over for us. Well, the reality is it's not. Jesus Christ has given you the ability to win even when you make your mistakes. He saw your mistakes before you made them. And I heard this story years ago, and it kind of illustrates how you have to be. And it was a little young boy, and he was a baseball player. And he said this, he said, I'm the best baseball player there is in the world. So one day he's out practicing, and he's got his bat and his ball, and so he throws the ball up, swings, and misses, says, strike one. Picks up the ball again, throws up, swings again, misses, says, strike two. Takes the ball up again, throws it up, and swings and misses again, says, strike through. And then he says this, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> Some of you need to, you struck out, but you're still good. Because God doesn't create junk. He doesn't create people that can't make it. He doesn't create people that can't prevail. He doesn't create people that can't have the supernatural option in their life. He doesn't create people that, that are, are going to be the last. He creates people who are going to be in the front of the line with the blessing of God. Can you say amen? That's how he created you, and that's how he wants to minister to you in a great way. Now, look at this next verse in the Bible. Put it up, please. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Understand how God operates. God doesn't start in the beginning and then hope for the best in the end. He creates the end before he starts the beginning. He just started in the beginning that you were going to win. And the plan that he has in your life, every chapter always works toward that final win, always works toward that final victory. He doesn't see you as sick. He sees you healed. He doesn't see you as poor. He sees you with abundance. He doesn't see you in a state of mental distress. He sees you in a state of peace. Whatever God has promised, he always sees the end in the beginning, so it doesn't matter what chapter you're in. Each chapter is going towards the end. Each chapter is working towards your victory in your life, and we need to understand that. Amen. Amen. There's a difference between grace and mercy in the Bible. David said that goodness and mercy followed him all the days of his life. Or we could say the grace of God and God's mercy followed him all the days of the life. Grace is that unmerited favor that God gives a person. But mercy is different. Mercy is when God gives you a chance, a second chance, a third chance, a, third, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance, a seventh chance, a hundredth chance, a thousandth chance. Come on, a three thousandth chance. He gives you another shot at it. I learned this years ago, I was going to college, and I got a, a driving ticket, and the ticket was Hollywood Stops, which I think they should perfectly accept them, but they don't. <laughs> and so the officer wrote me a ticket. So I went to court, because we didn't have much money, and I was going to ask the judge to reduce it. And I remember going into the court there, and the lady there, she says, what are you going to plead, guilty or not guilty? I said, ma'am, all I'm trying to do is get my ticket reduced. 
And she said, you can't get it reduced if you're asking for justice. Justice gives you what you deserve. He said, the only way that you can receive mercy in this court is if you plead guilty. I said, I'm guilty. <laughs> and the judge re reduced the, 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 the fine. Here's the beautiful thing about it. We make mistakes, but God gives us mercy so that we don't have to pay the penalty, so that we don't have to pay the cost, so that we don't have to suffer because of the stupid thing that we do. God gives us mercy, mercy, mercy. You don't deserve to live long, but God gives you mercy. You don't deserve to get another chance, but God gives you mercy. You don't deserve to get another shot at life, but God gives you mercy. He gives you mercy. He gives you mercy. And I love that because being pastor all these years, I realize there is nobody in church that doesn't make loads of mistakes. Amen. A lot of mistakes people make, nobody knows about it, but God knows about it. Everybody makes mistakes, but God doesn't determine your future by your mistakes. He determines your future by whether or not you believe him, by whether or not you turn from your sin, by whether or not you followed him with all your heart. That's how God ministers to us, and he gives you mercy. That's why the drug addict can get saved and end up being a preacher of thousands. That's why the, come on, the adulterous person can get in a marriage and have it better than any marriage here to have in his life because God's mercy is great and God knows the hearts of those that turn towards him and he didn't plan this thing out for the perfect he planned it out for those that make mistakes and I'm not preaching this so that you'd have greasy grace but I am preaching it so that those of you that have made mistakes which I have you have God your future still there is still present and here's the part you need to do. You need to make sure that you give your mistakes to God. If you keep your mistakes, they'll imprison you. If you keep your mistakes, they'll enable you. If you keep your mistakes, they'll lock you up in a cell, and you'll be oppressed, and you'll find the pressures of Satan on your life because you keep your mistakes. Give them to God. Give them to God. God, I made that mistake. I'm sorry, Lord. Turn from it, and it'll make a difference in your life. You may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. God didn't mess up when he got you. He didn't say you're one of the flawed. No, 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 no. He doesn't make mistakes, and mistakes don't make you a mistake. And when I think about that, I say, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your mercy is greater than the things that I'm going through. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy is great enough from the lack of wisdom that I'm going through. Listen to what the scriptures say. About, uh, Micah 7:8. Look at this. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Say it with me. I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I like that. In other words, don't rejoice over me. God's going to raise me up. A righteous man may fall, but he'll get up. Hallelujah. We're getting up. We might have been knocked down, but we're getting up. And we're going to take on the vision and the calling of God that God has done for us in our life. We're not going to retreat from it. We're not going to back away from it. We're going to receive it with all of our heart and with all of our, me our, our ability. Because God wants to do that in your life. Write this down. It's a very important truth. God never 
defines you by your mistakes. Let me say it again. God never defines you by your mistakes. He didn't say, okay, this is who you are because you made this mistake. He defines you by your successes. He doesn't define you by your mistakes, your faults. Many of you may have been through a divorce. He doesn't define you in that. Many of you maybe lost a business or treated a business partner wrong, took advantage of him. He doesn't, he doesn't define you by that mistake. He didn't define David by the mistake he made of murder and adultery. He defined us by the success that Christ brought. And I'm saying that because it's so hard for some people to make a mistake and, and move on. They tag themselves. Because the reality is God won't define us according to our mistakes, but people oftentimes do. People oftentimes brand you. People oftentimes say this, say that because of a mistake you made in your life. But God never, ever, ever, ever does that to his people. He looks at you through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of forgiveness, through the eyes of mercy. He looks at you as if he's seen Jesus because everything that Jesus has has cleansed you. Everything Jesus is is in you. When he sees you, he sees Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And he's, how, come on, church. It's so exciting. There's a verse in the Bible that I love very dearly. It says this. It's in the Old Testament and New. It says, that God will never leave us or forsake us. I don't know if you've ever got the impact of that in your spirit. He'll never leave us or forsake us. You might be watching me online, and you might be sitting in a hotel room with a woman that is not your wife, and you've been fornicating and drinking and taking drugs all night long, and you're watching me online right now. If you accepted Jesus, Lord and Savior, in your life, and God's inside of you, and you know if you're born again, God has not forsaken you. He's still inside of you. He's knocking at the door telling you to repent, telling you to go back to your wife, telling you to cut, cut away from the drugs. He's inside, and he is knocking at the door wanting you to come back. He never leaves you. He never throws you away. He never says, that's it, I won't touch you anymore. No, he follows with us. He stays with us when we're in the dark, when we're in our sin, when we're just stubborn, when we're just all messed up. Jesus is still there. The light of the gospel is still there, and God is still ministering power in your life. Amen. You just need to repent. Amen. The church hasn't taught it that way. They've taught, okay, you get into sin, God's, hey, hey, I'm not there. But he's there. He's there forever, black backslider. If Jesus has come into your life, he doesn't abandon us. Say, I'm only going to hang around when everything's good. He's around all the time. There was a fellow, I remember, he, uh, he got saved, and, and he was committing adultery and sin. And he was sitting down on the, the bed of the, in the hotel, and he turned on, and Billy Graham was on the, on the, the TV station. And he, he got on his knees and gave his life to Jesus. Because God is not intimidated by sin. God wants us to turn to him. And his spirit is present to help. God's spirit doesn't run from the sinner. Runs to the sinner to restore him. Amen. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You never get mad at me enough that you leave me. 
You never get upset with me enough that you, that, that you forsake me. Thank you so much that I can count on you in my life. That whatever I'm going through, if I'm on the bottom, you'll be there. If I'm the top, you'll be there. And everyone that loved Jesus said amen. amen. Now, to give you an idea of the power of what I just said, do you remember when Jesus was talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he made this statement. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. In other words, what he's saying is, hold, hold the boat here. I've never abided in you. There was never a time in your life that I abandoned you and forsook you. You just never knew me at all. Think about that. Every sinner who ends in, in hell, Jesus, he's not going to tell one of them, hey, I was with you for a while, but you messed up so bad, I forsook you. Never. 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 That's why we always say when we get to heaven, we don't know who's going to be there, really. God only knows if the heart is born again. God only knows if a person is a new creation. But my encouragement to you today is this, that you may have made some mistakes, but it's okay. God knew you would, and God planned through it. All you need to do is be aware of God in your life, turn to him in that time of need, and God will bring you out of it. I've seen great men who have made mistakes, great men, and God still restores them. That's the nature of God. Let me give you an example of how we sometimes brand people. You remember the story in the Bible? It's the resurrection. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the rest. And he tells him, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hand in his side and, in his, and put my finger in his hand. I'm not going to believe. And Jesus appears, and Thomas repents. Now, keep in mind, he was on, in unbelief for eight days. Eight days. Only eight days. But yet, when everybody thinks about Thomas, they go, what do you think about Apostle Thomas? Oh, you mean doubting Thomas. What you need to understand is that Thomas did repent. And if you know anything about history at all, you'll find that the Apostle Thomas did things that all the other apostles didn't do. He went outside of the Roman Empire as a missionary to India. He converted Muslims to Christ. He did miracles by his hands. Extraordinary things Thomas did. And yet, when most Christians today think of him, they think of him as Downing Thomas. But he had repented. He had made a mistake. Only an eight-day mistake. And yet, we brand him. A great apostle of the faith. He was eventually martyred by a, a Muslim priest, but he served. He, he evangelized India. Christianity today that, it, that is in India is a result of Thomas who put it all down. It proves to me that you can make a mistake and God can still use you, that it's not over for you, that God won't use you because of that one mistake you made in your life. Amen. And I know some of you have counted yourself out. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know me. I've done this and this and this and this. You count yourself out. There was another man that was like that. His name was Moses. 
He grew up in the Pharaoh's house, realized he wasn't the Pharaoh's child, and that his mom, he was Jewish, and he began to sense the calling that God gave in his life, and he tried to fix that calling. He tried to perform it, and one day he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow brethren, and he got in a fight with him and killed him. Tried to deliver God's people through the arm of the flesh. And so the Pharaoh finds out about it. Now, understand he's royalty. The Pharaoh's daughter raised him. It was Ramses II, I believe it was. And so he felt his life was threatened. And so he fled and spent 40 years in the wilderness shepherding sheep instead of people. 40 years, the dream had died. The vision was gone. 40 years. And what did God do? God didn't give up on him because he made the mistake. He appeared to him in a burning bush. And you remember, Moses even resisted when God began to minister to him and says, oh, I, I, can't, I can't speak publicly and all this stuff. I can't do this. I can't do that. I need help. And God was patient to work through him. Why? Because God doesn't hold your mistakes against you. When God calls you, he wants to finish what he started in your life, and he'll keep at you. He'll keep at you. He'll keep at you. He'll keep at you until you respond to it. Praise God. Because he loves you. And he wants the best for your life. Don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out and say, it's too late for me. I'm too old. I'm too young. Don't count your, yourself out because you made some terrible decision. Don't count yourself out because God doesn't count you out. He knew that Moses would mess up, and God planned through that. He knew that Moses would lose his temper, and God planned through that. God always provides the victory for us in our life. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, don't count yourself out. God has great things for you. I'm going to read to you a verse and then just preach the conclusion of it. A verse that has done me well all these years, one of the greatest truths in the Bible, and that's about how God creates the life that you need in your life. Put it on the screen, Isaiah. Well, notice how he says it. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord. I will heal him. Notice it says, I create, talking about God, the fruit of the lips. In other words, everything that comes out of your mouth, that's what God creates. If you speak his word, he creates that word. If you speak his promise, he creates that promise. If you speak his victory, he creates that promise. Whatever you say, he creates. He creates what we say with our mouth. Come on, church. Do you see what I'm getting at here? But it's easy sometimes when you're in that pit or in the negative spot not to do that and realize the word create there, it means to mold, to form. In other words, God forms your life by the word that comes out of your mouth. What we do sometimes, instead of speaking his word, we speak out of our fears. Instead of speaking our words, his words, we speak out of our concern, and God has nothing to work with. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. He said the tongue was like the bridle of a horse. Did you know you cannot control a horse without a bridle? 
If you just get on a horse, that horse will go wherever he wants to go. If you want to control a horse, you've got to put a bridle in the horse. And he's saying your tongue actually controls your course in life. Look at it this way. You've got two paths. You've got one path here to the left that goes to lack, sickness, brokenness, destruction, uneasiness. You've got that path. And you've got another path here that leads to life, abundant life, peace, joy, fulfillment. And here's what happens. We come to Jesus. There's a bridle over our mouth. And we start saying things like this in the trial. I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think we're going to have enough money to pay our mortgage. I don't believe I'm going to have enough money to retire. I don't believe that this illness is going to go away. I don't believe my kids are going to get saved. I don't believe that my latter days are going to be better than my former. And you're going down that path, and all you got to do is stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says that all things work together for the good. I believe in God. My latter days will be better than my former. I believe with long life, he'll satisfy me. I, I believe that the, he gives me the desires of my heart. I believe that God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I believe that I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I believe, I believe, I believe that God will do what he said he's going to do in my life. And my latter days will be better than my former. you got a choice. You can either be controlled by your feelings or be controlled by the promises of God in your life. Your children are going to get saved. Your children are going to serve God. Your finances are going to go over the top. Your health is going to get better and 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 better. I'd rather go that route than the other. But Pastor, you don't understand though. It's not working out for me. God creates by the fruit of your mouth. He doesn't say how long he takes to create it, but he says if you put it in your mouth, he'll start to create. He'll start to create. He'll start to create. And you know, when you study that, what James said about the tongue, he said some other things about the tongue. He said the tongue is a fire. And I think of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the church and they began to speak in unknown languages and it says that as tongues of fire were over them. And a reminder of John the Baptist, it said, I will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's like the fire that is preached. When the preacher gets a revelation and he's preaching it and sickness is getting broken. Come on, bondage is getting broken. Demons are fleeing. Demons can't stay here. It's the fire. There's, there's fire in those words. Had a lady one time, she would come to our church, and she was into witchcraft. And she couldn't sit in the service. The anointing drove her out. She couldn't stand it. As soon as we started getting to the altar call, she just couldn't take it, couldn't take it. That's the power. That's the fire of the gospel. Evil cannot stand before it. Praise God. That's the fire that God puts in your mouth. But he also said the tongue has a fire. It sets a forest on fire. Doesn't just burn one tree down yourself, it burns down other trees. Churches are burned up by wrong words. Countries are divided by wrong words. 
Fire, fire, fire. We've had a fire through the United States now for years and years and years and years and years. The church needs to ride up and start creating the right type of fire, not the fire that rakes homes, not the fire that divides families, not the fire that divides a nation, but a fire that unites us. We are all Americans serving Jesus Christ. We got to change what's burning and start burning the right things and start celebrating God in our life in the way that he wants us to. Woof. But he says it's a fire. He also says that your tongue is like a serpent with deadly poison. Did you know that a serpent or a snake never bites you because he's just being ornery? They bite you because they're afraid. The snakes are more afraid of you than you are of them. And if they feel threatened, fear causes them to strike out. In fact, a serpent can actually bite you and not leave any venom in you. It's kind of like a dog that nips at you, but doesn't really bite you. It's all out of fear. Think of the things that we say out of fear. I don't know what we're going to do now because my man's not in office. I don't know what we're going to do now because this is connected to this that they're chopping the block on. And fear is released. There's no fear here because Jesus is with us. Amen. And, the, and James said this about the tongue. He said this. He said, the tongue is a world of iniquity. And I like this. Sets on fire by hell or Gehenna, which is a symbol for the place of torment that Jesus talked about. We live in a culture that many people don't believe in hell anymore. And if they do, they believe, well, okay, the unbeliever will go there and He'll burn for a while, and then he'll cease to exist. Wrong. Jesus said it's an everlasting punishment to reject Christ because in the same breath, he says he'll have everlasting righteousness. So if salvation isn't forever, then damnation is not forever. The sad thing is it is forever. But that's why I'm preaching to you about Jesus Christ, because Jesus makes the difference. He forgave you of all your sins. He was on the cross, took that punishment upon himself so that we could be free and set free. You can receive him today and get the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you and begin to use your word to create God's will and purpose in your family, with your children, with your career. You can begin to do that today. Come on, church. Give God praise right now. It's so powerful. So powerful. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.